The purpose of judgment is to make an efficient call as to whether or not something's going to be okay. But it's the first call, it's not the final call. So don't let the purpose of judgment get in the way of you selling something, of you advancing in your career. You might judge someone in your team to be useless, but they actually might be that star person who makes the project succeed and then gets you that promotion. These judgments are not the be all and end all. Please don't, don't, don't depend on them like your life depends on it. It does when you're jumping off a roof, but it doesn't in the business sense because other parts of your brain has to come, have to come into play. Most notably, your conscious brain. We as humans have got a conscious ability to change what we instinctively want to do. And that subconscious ability being overridden by the conscious at times is a very, very important survival skill. I should be jogging like that guy. I'm Stephen DiPietro. Thanks very much for tuning in. How beautiful is this place? Beautiful is an interesting word because it's an instinct. You look at a place like the Opera House and you think, wow, that's beautiful. But we can't confuse your impression of a place with judgment. And judgment is the thing that gets in our way. So in my, my impression of this place is it's beautiful and most people think it's beautiful. But that doesn't mean I'm judging it to be beautiful. I'm not the judge, jury and executioner to decide whether or not this place is beautiful. My impression is it's beautiful. The thing with judgment is that it gets in our way in work and in life in all sorts of, in all sorts of manner. We judge people when we're going to sell to them, we judge people in a social sense, we judge all the time. And the reason we judge is that it's instinctive. It's an evolutionary thing that we've developed to help protect us and make our lives a bit more efficient. So let me go back one little step. You think about a cat. A cat might be sitting at the top of maybe that roof, or that's, that's a bit high, or the roof of your house. And the, cat, the cat's looking down thinking, well, I wonder if I can get down or not. It doesn't really give it too much thought. It just instinctively knows that the, the floor might be too far down, or the roof's too high, or that it's not going to make it the wind or whatever. Its instinct's going to jump in. It's made a judgment call, but it's very, very subconscious. As a human, as a kid, you might have jumped on the roof and you look down and you think, oh, you don't know if you can make it, but your instinct says, you've got this judgment that goes on and says, yes, no. And it's a very, very fine line, not a fine line, it's a very definitive line that says, this either can or cannot happen. It's very binary. Judgment is in all of us and it's in many, many animals that we know. But we take judgment that little step too far. We use judgment in social scenes appropriately because you might want to look at someone and say well my first instinct is or I might judge that standing under that street lamp in the middle of the night is not exactly the best thing to be doing it's a good judgment call from a safety perspective we also use judgment in social scenes but we, we when we do use them in social scenes we sometimes overuse them and this is where the problem comes in if you overuse judgment you go down the wrong path so we've all said before, hey, look, look at me. I, I can judge someone in one second. I just take one look at them and I can judge whether they're a good or a bad person. I get that. And a lot of us can do that to some extent. But I've also heard people say many times, gee, I judged that person wrong. Gee, I thought he was a jerk. Or gee, I thought she was such a nice girl and she turned out to be evil. Or gee, he turned out to be a two-timing cheat. I didn't think that when I first met him. Our judgments can be wrong. They can also be wrong in a customer service sense. In a customer service sense, I, I had my own example. Uh, I was, when I was just 
had my honeymoon. I was going to Hawaii, went to Hawaii with my wife and we had to buy a Rolex watch for my father-in-law. He gave us a credit card charged up with money to go out and buy it. We rocked into this nice jewelry store in shorts, singlets, tank tops, and a tan and hair everywhere. We weren't even allowed in. Our intention was to buy a watch, but they didn't know anything about us, but they judged that we wouldn't be able to afford one. And we do it all the time. Car dealerships do it, jewelry shops do it, some restaurants do it, hotels do it. We prejudge people to our own detriment. Chinese shoppers are renowned for their price sensitivity and intense negotiations. I spend a lot of time there, yet I'm constantly surprised at the pace of change. Now, big changes are afoot. Consumer behavior has caught up to the West in a matter of years, and it's actually blown right past us. Now, there's, there's been an explosion of brand and luxury shopping, which a lot of people are aware of, and this has happened in the past few years but it coincides with a massive growth of electronic commerce. And we've all seen the playbook. You move from price to value to brand. So you start with competing on price, making stuff as cheap as you can. It could be crap or whatever, doesn't matter. Just get it out there, get it sold. What that does is it creates the production capacity, whether it's a service or it's sewing needles, it doesn't matter, you've created that capacity and you've created the flow through your production chain. Then you can move to value. Now value can mean like giving the customer more, more bang for their buck and all those types of things that marketers will talk about forever and ever. But the, the move is then from price to value and the idea with value is obviously you raise your price and you can make more money, that's great. The third part is the move to brand and more and more Jap uh, Chinese brands are moving to brand. Now I've said Japanese accidentally because this is the playbook that the Japanese have done. They moved from price, which was the really, really cheap consumer goods and cars and things like that, right up all the way to brand and you think about Lexus. So it's happening in China as well. Now the much maligned telecommunications manufacturer, Huawei, I can never pronounce it, H-U-A-W-E-I. Um, well, they're the latest example. And in recent years, they've surpassed Ericsson and Nokia to become the world's biggest telecom equipment supplier. So their phones have gone from being the cheapest to now compete with Apple and Samsung. Their stuff is expensive and it's very, very good. Now it's being maligned in terms of security and things like that, but that's actually not the point here. The point is they started cheap, moved to value, and now they're becoming a brand of their own. Consumerism starts with price and then it moves along that band. But selling value and brand are not as easy as it sounds. If it was that easy, we'd all start with a cheap price and then move up to value, then move up to brand. It doesn't happen that easily. Competing on price is simple. You get the production right, you bang it out as cheap as you can, and you suck in all those small margins. And you can then move along the value chain if you can make other things happen. So the six things you need to make happen. Number one, you need to stand out. Number two, you need to be marketing. Number three, you need to be clear about the value. Clear about what it is that you're giving them in value. Is the value in terms of more bang for their buck or is the value in terms of uh, more security or safety of mind or whatever? Number four, you need to be clear about the service. What is the service you're providing? Number five, you need to be clear about your positioning. How do you position this stuff that you're now providing them? 
And number six, you need to be clear about your purpose. So each of these needs requires a cohesive strategy on its own. So how do you tie it all together? How do you get there? Well, you start with purpose and then you move back up the list. So you actually start from the end and go back. So I'll just go back through the six. Now, number one, you need to stand out. Number two, you need marketing. Number three, you need to be clear about value. Number four, you need to be clear about the service. Number five, you need to be clear about your positioning. And number six, you need to be clear about your purpose. If you start with purpose, then move back. So when you're selling on price, purpose seems so, so far from reality. It's as far away from reality as you can imagine. But it will become your North Star. If you know why you're in the market selling what you're selling, then it makes it easier to retrofit your positioning, your service proposition, your value proposition, your marketing, and your standing out. So you need to start from the beginning, this North Star. The Chinese are moving from cheap price strategies to brand, as are the consumers. You should too, because your consumers have probably already moved. Now this, this whole discussion that I have online is all about purpose, and I'm trying to tie in, hopefully successfully, how purpose actually links to most of the business problems that are out there. This is a classic example of where there's a business problem moving from price up to brand selling, but Along the way, there are a lot of tactics, and I'll cover some of those, like the six points, but overarching all of this stuff usually is this question of purpose. And we'll dig into purpose a bit more, obviously, in future weeks. Thanks again. I'm Stephen DiPietro, and appreciate you tuning in.